0: Well, I just want to thank you all for allowing me to speak here tonight. It is such a privilege to come out and gather with believers, uh, some of whom I've never seen before, and uh, it is just such a great privilege. And like Mr. Burgett said, I got to serve with him this summer on the mission trip up there in uh, Kansas, and that was just a great privilege to see so many people come to know the Lord. It really is a privilege to see people learn to know Jesus and trust him as their savior. The message that we have, it doesn't just affect our lives, it affects our eternity. And that's the thing I love about it. We get to know the extent of God's love, and that's what we're going to be talking about tonight, the extent of God's love. We're going to be talking in Isaiah uh, chapter 6. We're going to start at verse 1 through 4, then later we're going to jump over to John chapter 19, and we're going to look at some verses there. So let's go ahead and jump to Isaiah real quick. I'll give you a couple minutes there. Uh, Mr. Brigette kind of already told you a little bit about me. Some of you may already know me. I asked uh, Jesus into my heart when I was six years old. Uh, I grew up in church all my life, and I came to know the Lord, and I later got baptized when I was seven. Uh, Then over the course of my life, I didn't follow Jesus uh, the way I should always. I fell short so often, and uh, I was a bad representative of the Lord Jesus Christ so often in my life, and I should have spoken up for him more, and I really wish I would have, and then at the age of 14, I started reading my Bible more and things like that. And later uh, that year, felt called into the ministry. And I answered that call and talked to my pastor about that. And he uh, talked with me some. And he's discipled me over these years. And uh, that's what we're called to do, make disciples of all nations and all people. And uh, thankfully, he has been a great help to me in that aspect. And uh, I'm really privileged to be able to share the gospel Whenever I come out to preach at places, let's go ahead and uh, jump in and uh, starting at verse one. It was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple, attending him were mighty servant, each having six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet and with two, they flew. They were calling out to each other. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father God, I just thank you so much, Lord, for allowing us to meet together tonight, Lord, not facing persecution as we meet together tonight, Lord, but being able to meet freely, and loving on each other, and being able to share the hope that you've given us, Lord. I just ask that you would just lead us, and Lord, speak through me that it wouldn't be me that these people are hearing, but that it be you and that you would speak to all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. So, as I read this, I've really been thinking about how great it is to be in heaven. How great must that be? I can't comprehend it, obviously. My mind is way too fragile for that. There are so many things, even in school, that I struggled with. And then I try to go and I try to comprehend how great God is. And I just really... uh, My mind just falls off so much more but then i go and i start thinking about school and i started thinking about work and things like that and so often i'm even concerned there about what others think about me and things like that but then i go and i think about what jesus did for us thinking that heaven is so great that he is on the throne and that he is at the position of power at god's right hand and that we are still afraid about what others think about us, even though we know what he thinks about us, and we see the care that he has for us. He is so holy that these angels are having to cover their faces, they, and they're having to cover their feet, because of how holy our God is, and he's constantly being praised. And we need to constantly praise him in our life. I was listening to one pastor this week, and uh, I loved what he said. He said, Our worship is our life, and that is so true. Our worship is a way of life for us, and we have to worship constantly. See, so often as we live this life, we live it constantly being filled with what others think about us. We often let this affect us in many ways, how we talk, how we dress, or even how we eat to some extent, because someone may think we're not good-looking enough, or they may not think we're skinny enough, or things like that. And because of this, we change how we are, and... That affects us for being alive for Jesus. If we're letting how others think about us affect us, then we're not going to be alive for Jesus in that way. But we need to let the gospel and let Jesus tell what Jesus tells about us, that needs to be our entire hope and that needs to be everything that we live by and we live for. Instead of someone thinking, oh hey, you're ugly. Well Jesus thinks I'm beautiful. He knit me together and formed me in my mother's womb. And he thinks we're awesome. He loves us and he died for us. That's the hope that we need to take. Whenever we see people going and talking bad about someone else, we need to be the ones that step up and be the light in that conversation. And so often we don't do that. We are the ones that we often, we just shy away and we, we don't think much of it. But we can't do that. We have to go and we have to spread the hope of the gospel. Now turn with me uh, over to John chapter 19 and we're going to look there. Uh, now... <clears throat> John chapter 19, this is when they're talking about the sacrifice that Jesus did for us. It's talking about the crucifixion. And see, he lived this whole life and this entire life that he lived was a sacrifice for us compared to being in heaven. Because he's constantly, he's being made fun of in this earth, he's constantly being mocked by the Pharisees and Sadducees. And that's something that we don't really think of a lot of times as we're reading the Bible. We're not thinking of this as high importance. but we had to think of this as something very important because we see what he was like, and we see where he was, in Isaiah, and what his kingship is like, where his kingdom is like, and then we think of this earth, the sin, the sorrow. We're growing older, and all of a sudden we die one day, and he had to suffer through these things, and he eventually suffered death. Let's go ahead and start at verse one. Then Pilate had Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip. The soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put a purple robe on him. Hail, king of the Jews, they mocked. And they slapped him across the face. Now we're going to jump down to verse 17 real quick. And we're going to start there and read uh, through verse 24. Then we're going to jump a couple more and read at verse 28. Starting at verse 17. Carrying the cross by himself, he went to the place called Place of the Skull, in Hebrew, Golgotha. <clears throat> there they nailed him to the cross. Two others were crucified with him on either side with Jesus between them. And Pilate posted a sign on the cross that read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. The place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And the sign was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek, so that many people could read it. Then the leading priest objected and said to Pilate, change it from King of the Jews to he said, I am King of the Jews. Now, if we stop here for a moment, even while he's being crucified, the ultimate, uh, ultimately being made fun of, they're still trying to embarrass him, even at the extent of the cross. When Pilate is saying, hey, he, this is exactly what he said. Well, no, let's mock him in this. His entire life, people were trying to mock him, the majority of it. Now, at many times, he was being worshipped and things like that, like he deserved. But most of the time in Jesus' life, people were not giving him the praise that he deserved. Now, starting at verse 22, Pilate said, no, what I have written, I have written. Now, when the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they divided his clothes among him, the four of them. They also took his robe, but it was seamless, woven in one piece from the top to the bottom. So they said, Rather than tearing it apart, let's throw dice for it. They fulfilled the scripture that says, They divided my garments among them, and they threw dice for my clothing. So that is what they did. Now let's go ahead and jump over to verse 28. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. That is what Jesus did for you. He, we're told that he could have called legions of angels and that he could have ended it all right there. And he didn't have to die for you. He chose to. See, you are so loved and you are so cared for that the Savior of the world, the one who is sitting at the place of honor at God's right hand, came down to this earth, born as a baby in a lowly manger, and died for you. But we're so often, we're still focused on what others think about us, and what others want us to live by. See, we have to use our lives for Christ. If we accept, and we want to go, and we want to live a life of accepting some of the world, and we're going to, impact the world by sending them to hell if we're living a life of compromise with this world see people go to heaven with jesus and they go to hell without jesus that's that's as simple as it is with jesus we go to heaven without jesus we go to hell there is no in between there's nothing else no other god gets you to heaven nothing else jesus alone john fourteen six is something you can think about jesus said unto them i am the way the truth and the life no man comes unto the father but by me that's so true So are we going to live this life in a way that we're representing Jesus or are we going to live this life in a way that we're representing the world and what others think about us and everything else about that? So I have a couple of points here. Uh, The the first one we get to see is our Lord's holiness. If we look at Isaiah, we get to see our holiness, how holy he is. and, And we get to see that we need to worship him as that holy God. We need to worship him as his sovereign king, and we need to worship him as the one who died on the cross for us. And we need to worship this God. And then we see his sacrifice for us in John 19, 17 through 18. Let's go ahead and look there. Starting at verse 17, carrying the cross by himself, he went to the place called, called the place of the skull. There they nailed him to the cross. Two others were crucified with him, one on either side, with Jesus between them. And Pilate posted a sign on the cross that read, "Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews." The place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek, so that many people could read it. I went ahead and read to verse nineteen. That's all right though. And then the third point that I have here: the Lord, the hope our Lord provides us with. John twenty verses eleven through sixteen. We haven't read this yet, but let's go ahead and read it. Starting at verse 11. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stopped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head, and the other sitting at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they had taken my Lord away. She replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying, she asked. Jesus asked her, sorry. Why are you looking? Who are you looking for? She thought he was a gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned and cried out, Abani, which is Hebrew for teacher. See, we have the hope that Jesus not only came down, died for us, we have the ultimate hope that Jesus is alive today. He's moving, he's working. He's constantly at work in our lives. Are you going to surrender your life and allow him to work through you? Or are you going to live a life of compromise? Are you willing to live a life being affected by the world or by Jesus? That's the ultimate question that we have to we have to look at constantly. This isn't a life that you just have to look at or a question that you just have to look at in life once whenever you give your life to him. Oh, that's the start, that's the main point of the lesson. Whenever you go, well, I'm going to surrender my life to Jesus now. Well, you have to daily surrender your life to Jesus. It's a constant follow through. It's a constant work. Every day I get up and I have to go to work. That is a struggle right there with some of the people I work with. Now, I love them to death, but it can be a pain because the negativity there. And I can get drawn in so quickly to that. But instead of getting drawn into the negativity, I want to be a light for Jesus. I want to share the love of Jesus. And at some point, at constantly with the people I work with, I want to tell them about the love of Jesus for them in their lives and also in mine, getting to share my testimony, getting to share the hope that Jesus has provided for me. We all need to do that. We constantly need to do that because the people around us, whether you know it or not, they're eternal, just like you are. When you die, you go to heaven or hell. You're going to one day stand before Christ in judgment. And... The people around you they will too so what are you wanting to do are you just going to sit around and are you going to sit back and accept them going to hell because that's not the right thing to do that is not the right thing to do at all instead be the light don't compromise be the light so i don't know if all of you have accepted that maybe you're living a life of compromise now maybe you haven't even given your life to jesus and you've been thinking about it, well, I want to encourage you to do that. And and we, we're going to say a prayer now. And Maybe if you haven't prayed a prayer like this, and maybe you want to pray like this, go ahead and pray along with me. And Kenny Burgett will go ahead and sing. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father God, we are sinners. Oh Lord, our sin is so great. And Lord, we need you. We need you. Lord, I just ask that, Lord, you would forgive me of my sin and my compromise. Lord, I just ask that you would just affect us, Lord, and Lord, come into our lives. And Lord, I just pray that if there is someone here that they would just ask you into their lives and to touch them and that they would surrender to your lordship in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. thank you, Brother Dale. We appreciate that word tonight, encouraging to us and challenging as well. I'd like to ask, Brother Jake, if you would please lead us in a prayer, then after the prayer time, uh, we're going to set up for the business meeting, is that right? So just a few minutes, and then we will assemble back together.